You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Take out a Bible, something to write with. So we've been talking for some time. I just, you know, I don't apologize for it anymore. I do long series. This is just the way it works. Uh, we've been talking for some time about this general idea of not making ourselves easy prey for the devil, making it a lot harder for a defeated enemy to defeat our lives, okay? Uh, and so last week, we started talking about the subject of bitterness and avoiding bitterness and I'm going to go back to that this week. I want to, we, we got into some really good things. We were a little short on time last week. We got into some really good things. And I was unable to get to some of the really important points in that. And then through the week, this week, I felt like the Lord just wasn't um, releasing me from that. So we're going to go back. I'm going to do some review. I know some of you were not here last week. Some were. Uh, we're going to do some review for a while. But um, we will be getting into some new material too. But, but we talked last week about this idea, the basic idea of avoiding bitterness. And we listed some things that are really common pathways to bitterness. And what we have to realize is that bitterness is cumulative. It's something that we tend to pick up. We don't deal with different kinds of hurts or anger or, or regret. And in fact, our, our list, we talked about anger, resentment, disappointment, regret, offense, and jealousy, all as, as pathways. Every one of those things can be a pathway to bitterness if we don't deal with the things of life that go on. If we don't deal with those things, it'll be cumulative. And that's why we end up with a lot of grouchy old people, you know, is, is because life is cumulative. You know, it goes on, things happen. And if we do not handle them, if we don't navigate those things by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, they build up. And so we can get hard and we can get grouchy and we can get bitter. And uh, so we, we talked about that. We talked about the fact that bitterness, that well, really that every one of these things that I just named, anger, resentment, disappointment, regret, offense, jealousy, every one of those chains us to the past. Every one of those ties us to a person or an event or a set of events, a set of hurts, tries to hold us back. And, and Boyd just, just said it. Uh, what I intended to say about this this morning is that we were not designed to live chained to the past. You were not made for that. You were, you were made to live well and effectively in God every day, today, and, and pay attention to what God's doing today. And through that living, to produce fruit, to change the future, to change your future and other people's future, to impact the future, to bring increase. I mean, it's, there are so many, so many ways that we could discuss that idea, but we're not meant to live our lives chained to something in the past, never growing. Nothing, things that are alive grow, and things grow change. And this is the life that the Lord has called us to and graced us for, given us the ability for. So, so we're talking about, and we're primarily focused on this issue of jealousy. And a lot of those things that I named, we talk about them frequently. We talk about offense a lot. It's a huge issue. It's a huge 
uh, tool that the enemy uses to steal from our lives. Anger, all of those, all of those, all of that list are things we talk about. But I felt real impressed to spend this time talking about jealousy because, again, I really believe it's something that is increasing in our culture. As a culture, we are, we are I think, in a lot of the choices that we're making, we'll get into some of this in a few minutes, many of the choices that we're making, we are releasing a spirit of jealousy into our culture. And a lot of people that don't know any better are just flowing with it. So it's important for us as the Church of Jesus Christ to know better and to do better. All right, so, so we looked at, these were some of our foundation verses. Last week, we talked about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, and I read this to you, and what's on your screen? It is on your screen this week. It's still not on your screen. Well, it is on mine, so this is not my fault this time. Last week, I forgot to, uh... did we get off of the, are we on the right? Is it my fault? I'm going to just go on. Okay. I think I'm going to just go on. They're freezing me. Okay, let's, let's go on. Last week, I forgot to hit play. So at the end of it, oh, there we go. Things are happening. Everything's disappearing. We're still frozen. Sorry, Lucas is telling me, just go on. Yay. Hebrews 12, 15, the Passion Translation. Sweet. Don't even try this at home, people. I'm telling you. Okay, so this verse says, watch over each other, I always like that, to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. That's so powerful. Make sure that your friends are not missing the revelation of God's grace. Make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. All right, so, so bitterness, the term bitterness there, the word translated bitterness, is a condition of heart that is poisonous or malignant. Malignant is cancerous, all right? So, it's, so it poison, it's toxic. It's an attitude of heart, condition of heart that's poisonous to us, and it's, it's toxic, it's malignant. It spreads to other people in our life. If you're bitter, you're going to spread bitterness to anybody who will listen. And one of the things we've said about bitterness is we need to be really careful because a lot of what we hear, if you watch the news today, a lot of what you're going to hear is going to come out of somebody's bitterness or somebody's fear, somebody's anger. If you go on social media, a lot of what you're going to see is people that are promoting ideas out of a heart of bitterness. And that spirit of bitterness can get on the inside of us and it becomes a root and a root is always something that's under the surface, but it produces, it causes outward things. It causes things to grow. It changes our attitudes. It changes our actions. And so the caution here is don't let a root of bitterness be growing in you. And the antidote to that is a revelation of the grace of God. Understanding that God's love is given unconditionally, that he has graced different people in different ways, that he has uh, poured himself out and made himself available. And when we recognize that we are living a life we don't deserve, we are living in the favor of God because of his grace, it gets much harder to be bitter toward other people. So, you know, <clears throat> all of these things too, they keep us, these are all selfish attitudes and bitterness has a root in self-centered living. If we're bitter, it's because we're thinking about us way too much and not thinking about the Lord and other people, okay? So it says it makes the, 
case here that we need to have this revelation of the grace of God and that uh, bitterness, if it's allowed uh, to stay in us, it will, it will poison the hearts of many. The, the Passion Translation says, many of your translations say it will defile the hearts of many. It does not stay in one place. It doesn't stay in one place. And we said that that word translated defile or poison, it means the destructive work of rust or decay that happens to something that has died. So it's that corruption, that decay, it's pollution, it's poisonous. That's what bitterness is, according to these verses. And we looked last week at James chapter 3, verses uh, 14 through 16. Sweet. Uh, and, and so it says, but if you, and I want you to notice that, that the Lord just pointed that out to me today, if you harbor bitter envy. Whenever it's an if, then we have a choice about it. Okay, and, and it puts the responsibility for this on me, on us. If you, if I, harbor bitter envy. Well, I must have a choice there to not harbor bitter envy. Okay, if you harbor bitter envy, and that, and that word harbor means to hold in continuous possession. If you think about what a harbor is, it's a place where ships can come in and get out of the weather. That's a safe place where they can, they can land. It's made for them. They can come in and, and they can do what they need to do. We don't want our hearts to be that. We don't want our hearts to be a safe space for, uh, for bitter envy. Okay, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, those two are linked together, selfish ambition, in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. It means it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. So it tells us, look, if, you've, if you're going to hold this stuff in your heart, don't boast about it. Don't, uh, and, and it calls, it says that there is a wisdom, a demonic wisdom to envy or jealousy and selfish ambition. What that means is you have in your heart and in your brain a good reason in your mind for being bitter, for being angry, for being resentful, for being jealous. You have a good reason in your mind. You can relate it to somebody and you think it's somebody else's fault. You think you're you're angry or envious or have selfish ambition. You think that it's because somebody did this, so now I'm bitter. No, it's because you decided to harbor that bitterness in your heart. Take responsibility for it because the Lord will set you free from it, okay? This isn't condemning. This isn't criticizing. This is just what the scripture tells us. If you harbor it, okay? Don't brag about it. Don't go to everybody and tell them why it is that you're so justified in having bitter envy. Don't go and, and, and make that case to everybody, which we tend to do. When we're under this kind of pressure and we feel this way, we want to go to all of our friends and tell them how bad this other person was or how lousy the job was or how unfair my life has been to me. We want to spread that stuff. And through spreading that stuff through our words, we spread, we take that malignancy that's in us and we spread it to other people. That's really not being a friend to anybody, okay, in the first place. But it says don't, and don't deny the truth of it. Don't deny the fact. Be honest with yourself and with the Lord about what's going on in your heart. You know, I'm finding this jealousy coming up in my heart. Learn to recognize it. Learn to deal with it. But don't pretend that it's not there. But, but there's a wisdom to these things in the sense 
that we feel entitled to it. We can make a case for it. Okay, we can, we can, we can make a case for why there's uh, bitter envy in our hearts. And when we, there's a, there's a big difference between having ambition and having selfish ambition. Ambition is not a bad thing. Having a vision and wanting to press forward, that's, that can be a very godly thing in our lives. But when it becomes selfish ambition, because we saw jealousy entered in, we saw somebody else get blessed or somebody else get a position or a blessing, something that we wanted, and jealousy enters in, then our ambition becomes selfish. It becomes self-centered and that root becomes bitter. At that point, we start to begrudge them what, what they received or what they what they earned or what they're doing. We start to focus it on somebody else and our ambition becomes selfish in that place. It goes, the two go right along together, bitter envy or bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions. That makes sense to you, okay? So we're still doing a lot of review here, all right? And if you weren't here last week, you can pick up the teaching or listen to it on the podcast or YouTube or any of those ways, okay? Uh, so we went over here to Matthew chapter 20 and we started to look through this, this parable that Jesus told about the vineyard owner who hired people to go out and work in his vineyard through the day, right? And I'll just, I know a lot of you weren't here last week. The, this, this, the story is that this guy owned a vineyard. He needed workers, so he went into the marketplace. He found people to work. He started at, it's a 12-hour workday. Started at 6 o'clock in the morning. Hired a bunch of people to go out. Went back at 9 o'clock. Hired some more. Went back at noon. Hired some more. Went back at 3. Finally, even went back at 5 o'clock for the last hour of the day, and there were still people that hadn't been hired, and he hired them. Beginning with the first group, he said, I will pay you a denarius, which is, which was, in their cultural setting, it was the normal day's wage for a 12-hour workday. He says, that's what I'll pay you. The guys that got hired at 6 in the morning said, that's great, we'll take that, and they went to work. Same thing through the day. When it came time to pay everybody for the day, he started with the ones who had only worked an hour, and he gave them a full day's wage. And so the other people thought, man, we're really going to make out well because if he paid them a full day's wage, he must be going to give us a lot more. Well, he didn't. He paid everybody what he told them he would pay them. He was generous with the people who'd only worked an hour. It was his vineyard. It was his money. It was his decision. He was generous with them. And we come down in this chapter to about verse 12 and the people get angry that worked all day. And their comment was, you have made them equal to us. They turned it into a, a value system. The person, the owner, was being generous with somebody else. He, he was not being unfair to them. He did exactly what they'd all agreed on. He gave them, and it was culturally fair. It was a day's wage. He gave everybody that, but he was generous with the ones who worked later in the day. The ones who worked earlier in the day got jealous and got angry about it. And, and they turned it into, in their hearts, they turned it into, this is unjust. This is unfair. You, you, uh, you made them, they said, equal 
to us. So what they, were, what they were doing was they were turning this other person's generosity or this other person's blessing, however you want to look at it, into a devaluing of themselves in their minds. They said, well, I'm being told I'm not worth as much. That wasn't what was going on. The man was just being generous with what belonged to him. And so we come down here to verse 13 in Matthew chapter 20. It says, friend, this is the owner speaking. I'm doing you no injustice. This is not unjust what's happening here. This isn't unfair. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. But I chose to give to this last man hired the same as I give to you. Am I not lawfully permitted to do what I choose with what is mine? Or is your eye envious, or many translations say evil, because I am generous? Do you have an evil eye? Which, you know, we don't, I mean, I've never used that term around the, around the dinner table. So, you know, we have to look at it and figure out what exactly does that mean? Well, that term evil eye speaks of a corrupt heart attitude that it becomes a filter. It colors how we see life. It, is, it, is, it causes us to see another person's blessing or promotion or whatever through that lens of jealousy. What the owner did was not corrupt. The corruption was not in his action. It was in the heart of the workers. It was in the heart of those who became jealous. That evil, it is a corrupt attitude in the heart caused by jealousy. To where now we start to view, we feel cheated. And so we start to look at other people's blessing or promotion. Uh, and we start, to, we start to resent it. Here's what this word jealousy means from the scripture. Here's the definition uh, of this Greek word, jealousy. It means resentment against another person who is experiencing success, promotion, or advantage. Resentment against another person who is experiencing success, promotion, or advantage. We often experience jealousy as a sense of satisfaction when somebody we resent does poorly or when something bad happens to them. We think they cheated us. We don't think they should have gotten that promotion. We think something about them. We're angry about it. Something bad happens in their life. And you might not say it, but there's this little thing that goes off in your heart. Well, what goes around comes around, buddy. You know, we develop those attitudes. We start to, we start to think, well, that's, you know, that's just what you deserved. That's never okay for Christians. They may have very well earned that bad thing that happened to them in life. That's not our business. That's not our business. Vengeance is mine. No, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Okay. I don't get to, I just don't get to do that. I don't get to do that. I'll show you why in just a second. We'll look at a verse about this. I don't get to do that. So, so we experience a sense of satisfaction when another person fails or resentment when they do well. Well, they did this and now they're just you know, going on in life and they're doing well and we have resentment about it. That 
is a corrupt, that is an evil eye. That is a corrupt problem in our heart. And if it's not dealt with, it'll produce bitterness later in your life. It will, it will produce bitterness in your life. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to dig it out. It's a, it's a corrupt root, okay? We said that, well, let's, let's, let's go somewhere else. I feel like we need to go there right now. Let's go over to um, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, it's down in verse 24. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. In fact, let's back up and read. Let's go all the way to verse 22. And I'm just reading this from, uh, I'll just take the NIV, I guess. It's, it's, anyway, I won't go into all that. But in verse 22, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is talking to us as believers. This is where we are, all right? We have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. That's, that's a pretty blessed life right there. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyous assembly. That's a whole different spirit than a jealous spirit, a bitter spirit, okay? This, this is where we actually live. This is the spiritual truth about us. And so being caught up in the things of the earth is just a shame. It says, you've come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to the, uh, yeah, I love the way the Amplified says that. You have come to the church of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven. We are registered as citizens in heaven. And to the God who is judge of all, okay? He is judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous, sorry, I just switched over to the Amplified on you guys, the redeemed in heaven who have been made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, so the blood of Jesus, which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. In the Passion Translation, I don't have it right in front of me. Oh, I bet I do. Hang on. I think that's what this note is. That is what this note is. Um, it says in verse 24, We have come to Jesus, who established a new covenant with his blood, sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Get this. Blood, the blood of Jesus that continues to speak from heaven forgiveness. The blood of Jesus speaks from heaven forgiveness. A better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth justice. So you've got two bloods here. You've got the blood of Jesus that we are covered in, right? speaking from heaven this message of forgiveness. You've got the blood of Abel, which represents injustice in the earth. Because it wasn't right. His brother killed him because he did the right thing and his brother did the wrong thing. His brother got jealous of it and killed him. Bitterness, jealousy, all of those things, resentment, jealousy, anger, bitterness, all of those things uh, I, think, I think Bill Johnson uses the term, they're the spirit of murder in diapers, okay? They're, the bitterness in you, uh, Jesus says it's murder to stay angry with our brother and sister, right? 
So is the spirit of murder as a root, the spirit of murder in diapers, the spirit of murder would grow up out of those things. So here you have Abel's blood crying out for justice, and it was an unjust thing that happened. But so here's this, here's the earth crying out, justice, 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 make it fair, God, make it right, God. And he will, but judgment is his. And the message to us that's coming from the blood of Jesus is forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. We just don't have the right. We just are not given because (laughs) we are not capable of loving and judging, loving perfectly and judging perfectly at the same time. We don't, we're not capable of that, but God is. He is perfect mercy and perfect justice, okay? But if we get these things working in our heart, we get jealousy working in our heart, we're going to seek revenge. We're going to seek some way, whether it's just turning somebody else against that person, whether it's just bringing somebody into our little offended army, whatever it is, we're going to seek a way to promote that bitterness and that anger. And it's not right. And it is not the message that comes from the blood of Jesus. It is simply not who we are supposed to be. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so back in, in uh, Matthew then, we, we had this list of things. Jealousy uh, can be the fear of success in another person because we feel like if they get whatever this good thing is, there's not enough left for me. If they get a promotion, there's no promotion for me. If they get blessed with a new house, I've been praying for a new house for years. And then that person gets it. Jealousy tries to crop up. You got to deal with it. We need to celebrate each other's blessings. We say this all the time. We've got to learn to celebrate and see their blessing as a marker of God's nature, knowing that what he's done for them, I I can have that too. When it's the right time, when it's God's desire, I can have that too. I can celebrate your blessing because it's a good thing. We should always be celebrating other people's blessing. I've seen this a lot of times. uh, And this is a, I realize this is a strong one, but I've seen this a lot of times with people that are having a hard time having children or uh, people that are wanting to be married. And when they see somebody else get married, I've, I've seen a number of people walk away from God, flat walk away from God, get so disappointed and angry that they didn't get what another person got, something that their heart desired, but they didn't get it. And they let this thing build in them. And I've seen them walk away from God. I've seen people who are having difficulty having children and somebody else gets pregnant again, you know, and, and, and this, this, Bitterness, this jealousy, this resentment rises up in them. And I've seen them walk away from God. It's not worth walking away from God. God has a way of restoring things that were lost, restoring things, fulfilling things. It's not always the way you think it's going to happen. But if you will trust him and stick with him, he has a way of bringing about your blessing. He has a way of doing it. Don't let these kinds of things turn you from the Lord. And you may think that's extreme, but I mean, we've been doing this for a long time and we have 
seeing a lot of these things happen. Again, we said this last week, jealousy often masquerades as a cry for justice. It often says this is not equal, this is not fair, this is not right. It will come in and and say, I'm just here because I think that person's being treated unfairly when really there's jealousy working in your heart. But you make it about somebody, oh, they're not treating, they're not being treated fairly. And there's a place for that. There's a place for looking out for each other, but don't let jealousy get to work in your heart in that situation. In, in this situation that we saw there in Matthew chapter 20, those people came in and they, you know, they, were, they were speaking not just for themselves, but for the group. Hey, you made them equal with us by, paying, by being generous with them. We're here for them. I've had people do this you know, in, in our life and in the church and in business and in jobs. I've, I've watched people do this where they come in with what they're saying is they're, they're concerned about somebody else's situation. And really, it's about them. It's about them. Um, I ministered to a guy years ago that uh, he was, he was see if I can remember the story right. He, he worked in a, in a business that had multiple offices. Okay, He had his position. He had his job. Uh, they had multiple offices. He was getting paid he, by his own, what he told me. He was getting paid the right amount. He thought what he was getting paid was fair. Uh, the, the employers there, the business recognized the employees. They were treated well. They were recognized for what they did. And that was all good. He said that was all good. They didn't fall short in any of those areas. But there was a time where something needed to happen and there was an employee from one of the other offices that uh, came and took care of what it was, whatever it was that needed to happen. And they traveled a distance. They did it on their day off at their own expense, came in and handled this situation. And so the boss in that situation recognized this person that had made this extra sacrifice. They recognized them publicly. And this person that was talking to me got all bent out of shape about that, got all upset about the fact that, well, they shouldn't have gotten this recognition. We're here all the time. We should have gotten this recognition. And so that's when I asked, I said, well, do you get recognized for being there and for your hard work and your faithfulness? Well, yeah. So I tried to communicate to this person that, okay, what's working here is jealousy. You've got jealousy working in your heart and it's going to eat your lunch. No, I am not jealous and I'm not offended. This is just unjust. This is just unjust. I am not jealous. I am not offended. And they eventually left that place, left the church, left the people who were praying for him, left the people who were ministering to him, and presumably, and I lost track of him after that, but presumably took that bitterness, I hope they got free from it eventually, but took that bitterness to their next workplace and took the suspicion and the, the whole attitude that goes along with it to their next workplace, could not be convinced that there was a negative, corrupt attitude working in their heart. It was somebody else's fault. This stuff, I'm just telling you that to say, it happens. And we're all susceptible to these things. And, and we need to be willing to deal with it. So another issue that we talked about last week, and I just want to finish it up. We talked about the fact that Jesus actually created a culture with his disciples that was not equal. It was not equal. He had, we, we talked about how he'd always take Peter, James, and John to all the really cool stuff. 
And, and it was always those three. He didn't rotate. He didn't say, okay, it's you guys this month, somebody else next month, somebody else next month. It wasn't like that. Because, and why was he? And yet we know the scripture says that God is incapable of showing favoritism in an unfair way in that sense. God deals with people according to gifting and calling and where he is taking them. And he will grace certain people and give gifts and talents and abilities. We do not all have equal abilities. And we are not all rewarded in the earth for as if we had equal abilities. And again, we're seeing this trend in our culture uh, to say that, you know, everybody should get the same reward. Everybody, and I just had this discussion again with somebody after church last week. I've heard this from every educator that I know, from, from kindergarten through grade school and middle school and high school and university level. Every one of them says they're dealing with this issue where uh, a, a kid will get angry because they didn't get the same grade as somebody else who did more work. And where are they getting that? They're getting that a lot from parenting and they're getting that from the culture. We're starting them out saying, hey, you all get an award. Those of you who worked hard get an award and those who didn't do anything, you all get an award because you're all special. Well, they are all special, but they don't all get a reward because they didn't all do the same work. This idea that equality is fair and again, let me say this so nobody misunderstands. We are built, our country is built on a premise that all men are created equal, right? That means gender, that means nationality, that means race, ethnicity. Everybody should have the same opportunity. That is the way this country is supposed to work. And that is not the way it has always worked. But now we're coming into this trend of trying to correct old inequalities or oppressions by creating new oppressions. That's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to just say, hey, we were wrong back then. We repent of that. Let's make it equal for everybody, opportunity-wise. But when we come in and start saying everybody should have the same outcome, well, that's unfair. That's inherently unfair. So, so my point is God thinks about justice and what's fair in a completely different way than we do. We all have the exact same opportunity before the cross. We all have the exact same opportunity to become children of God. But, there are, but we're going to play different roles within that. Once we become children of God, he's going to grace some differently than others. You guys have skills that I will never have. It's okay. Because here's the balance. So I made that point last week. We talked about it. Here's the balance to that whole thing. Is that God also says... To whom much is given, much will be required. Okay, so the person who receives more is accountable for more and will face a different judgment than the person who is given less responsibility. That's the balance to Peter, James, and John getting to go to the top of the mountain with Jesus and getting to go watch him raise the dead girl and the other guys stand outside with the baggage or whatever they did. That's the balance Peter, James, and John were responsible for that revelation because they had received that revelation. Too much is given, much will be required. God's not being unfair. He cannot be unfair. And yet he did not establish a system of equality. And within that, there was opportunity for them to have disputes about who's the greatest or to grow to a maturity where they didn't do that. Okay, In that kind of system, there's also the ability for people to rise to the highest level and who they, what they are gifted to be and do what they could do. If we make everything equal, all we do is pull down the high people, 
you know, the people who are really producing, we pull that down, tear that down, punish them. They've got more than I do. Punish them, tax them, pull them down, and, and let's make it all even. That society doesn't produce. There's no innovation. Anyway, I should, I should get off of that. It's, it's a bad system, okay? We need to look at one more passage. We've got a few more minutes, and then we'll be done. Are you getting anything out of this? Okay, Luke chapter 15. I want to talk to you out of this uh, parable, the prodigal son. We don't have time to go through the whole thing. Uh, but again, I think you probably know the story, but let's just go through it quickly. So there are these two sons. One of them demands that the father give him his inheritance, which in that culture was the same as saying, I wish you were dead, dad, so that I could have my stuff. That's what he was doing. It was a huge slap in the face to the father. The father went ahead and divided the stuff, the inheritance, with his sons, presumably a double portion to the first son and, and then whatever to the second son. Uh, but so then the second son, the younger son, takes off and goes and squanders all of his money and, and uh, hangs out with prostitutes and does all this stuff, ends up, the, the worst. think of the worst possible demeaning job that you can think of for the Jews, slopping the pigs and eating the pigs' food was exactly that. So he hits bottom, he realizes, and it's interesting because he comes to this, he says, you know what? Because of everything I've done, I'm no longer worthy. Hits him in that way, shame comes in. No longer worthy to be called your son. All right, I'm just gonna go back, I'm gonna apologize to my father and I'm, I'm gonna just become like a hired hand. The hired hands have plenty to eat, I'm starving with the pigs. Okay, so that's what he does. He goes back. The father sees him a long ways off and the father's response is not to wait till the kid bows and scrapes and, you know, he, he runs out to meet him. And the way that it reads in the Greek, the, the kid starts into the apology. And before he gets to the part about, I want, I'll just make myself like a hired servant. Just hire me. Just let me come in that way. Before he gets to that part, the father actually interrupts him and cuts him off and tells the servants, go get the robe, go get the ring, go get the sandals, and each one of those have a certain meaning. But basically restore him to sonship and bring him in because we're going to celebrate because he was lost and now he's found. So the dad throws this huge party, kills the fattened calf, throws this huge party because he's so excited about this kid making this right decision. The older brother comes in from the field and gets mad about it, gets jealous over it. And, and he comes up and, and based on his feeling in his heart, I think partly he borrows the dad's, what could have been the dad's offense, although the dad didn't seem to have it. He says, you didn't treat dad right, so I'm going to get offended about that. And it says he comes up and he would not go in to the party, which again was a huge cultural slap in the face, pretty well equivalent to what the younger one had done. But he couldn't see it because he was blinded by jealousy. He couldn't, that, that corrupt thing in his heart, turn that into, he, he pretended it was for dad's benefit. Well, dad wasn't mad. Dad was in the house partying with the other son. But he comes, he stands outside, he, he won't go in. He's angry about it. Dad comes out and talks to him. And, and he's, he... Uh, he says, sorry, I have to scroll down here a ways. Um, I guess I don't even have these verses on this slide. Well, that's good. So I can just tell it to you. So uh, he, he comes in and he goes to the older son and the older son says, man, he starts right into what he deserves. He starts right into, 
I've been here. I've been faithful. I work hard every day. You, you know, and you've never thrown a party for me. And the dad's response is, son, you've got to understand, you're with me all the time. And you have everything that, everything that I have is yours all the time. Basically, he's saying, throw a party anytime you want. But he says it's only right that we celebrate the decision that the younger son meant, that he came back, that he made this turnaround, that we throw a party, that we bless him over that. But my blessing him, and I'm paraphrasing, my blessing him in this way is not demeaning you. It's not saying that you mean less. It's not saying that I don't appreciate your daily faithfulness and the fact that you have not disobeyed me. It's not saying any of that. You're with me all the time. Everything I have belongs to you. But this older son, he could not even see the blessing on his own life because he was so jealous of the party thrown for the younger son who'd gone out and messed up his life. Again, it's this idea of jealousy entering in. It will blind our hearts. It will corrupt our hearts. It will make it impossible for us to see what's right and fair from God's viewpoint. And if let go, it'll end up in bitterness. It'll end up in bitterness. So he, again, this was another situation. You see this almost every time. He took the appreciation of what the younger son did did as depreciation of himself, even though it wasn't. Okay? So let me just give you these four things. How do we, what do we do about this? We learn to celebrate other people's blessing and favor and promotion. Just make a habit of it. Just, just, just be happy when other people get the blessing that you've been believing for. Celebrate it. Make a big deal. Don't just say, oh yeah, yeah, I heard in church I should celebrate that. Okay, I won't feel bad about it. No, celebrate it. Say yay. Say thank you, Lord, for blessing them. And I thank you that mine's coming. Okay. Humble yourself before God. You know, build humility. Take the lower seat. Recognize grace on others so that God can lift you up and trust you more. When you see somebody else getting a promotion or somebody else getting blessed or their business doing well, just humble yourself before God. Be thankful for that. Humble yourself before God and recognize that there's a grace on that person's life. Okay. Absolutely reject, this is number three, the idea that one person's promotion means there isn't enough for you. Jealousy can only exist in a lack mentality. It can only exist where we think there's a limited supply of blessing. It can't exist any other way. Okay. So, so when you see that in yourself, just realize, man, this is a lack mentality. This is a poverty mentality. This is thinking that some things are impossible for God other than sinning and whatever else Boyd mentioned earlier. You know, nothing's impossible with God. God has plenty to go around. Okay. And then you have to learn to reject the idea that things like pay scale, position, recognition, uh, all of those types of things define your value to anybody. You know, I mean, a pay scale may say something about your value to a company, but that's not your value. That's not your real value. Your value is in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. That's where your value is. That's who we are, okay? And if our value is not registered there, if we are not convinced that thing, I'm registered. My name is registered in heaven. 
I stand around with thousands of celebrating angels every day. If that's not our reality, then all this little petty garbage on earth is going to create bitterness in us. And the devil will be able to just steal that abundant life that Jesus died to give to you. Just steal, kill, and destroy because you're making it easy. Does this make sense? All right. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are so good. And this morning, Father, I, I thank you, Lord, as we hear this word, every one of us, Lord, as I hear this word, as we look into these truths, Lord, I, I just sense so strongly on this entire series, you're really trying to uproot some things in a bunch of us and trying to bring us to a new level, to a place where it is much easier for your blessing to flow into and through our life to others. Father, where it is not easy for a defeated enemy to come in and trample all over our lives. So, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for this word today. I thank you for the things you've spoken to individuals today. I thank you for the things you, you presented to us in worship today, Lord. And I do pray, Father, that as we go out into this earth, Lord, in fact, this just comes up in me. I know for a fact some of us are going to have opportunity to be envious this week. It's going to come. And we're going to reject it in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to be smarter than that. And I thank you for that equipping ahead of time. I thank you that you send us out equipped to minister to our friends and our families and our neighbors this week. Lord, to bless people for people who begin to travel this week. Lord, I thank you for that they are a blessing, that you're just scattering seed wherever we go. We thank you for all of that, Lord, and just ask you to continue to help us develop and grow in the love of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, there's some great snacks out there. So if you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray for you. Uh, otherwise, go out there and be the church. We'll say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord. We're declaring this. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We'll be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.